Hey everyone, welcome back to a very special edition of the Camera Brooks Podcast. On this edition, I interview my coworker, Hope Drury. And some of you who are in our program know Hope, but Hope uh, has been at Camera Brooks. She graduated college five years ago, Texas a and and been at Camera Brooks for uh, five years. Half of that, she worked here in the office in Fredericksburg, Texas, and the other half, she's been working remote. And when she first started with Camera Brooks, her primary role was to work with officers leading up to the conference. And she still does a lot of that, but she's uh, also found her way into working on other projects. Like she is uh, part of the um, uh, resume um, creation team. And she's also an integral part of our marketing and social media team. And so she brings a lot of value. I, the reason I wanted to meet her or interview her on this podcast is is uh, she has a perspective in working with military officers about kind of some of the things that she sees. But I also think it's important to appreciate that that she, from a from an experienced perspective, is not so far off from mil- many of the officers who are either transitioning or considering transitioning. So she has a, a unique perspective as opposed uh, as it relates to that. And so. Some of the things that we get into, first thing I, we start walking down the road is I want to hear from her what are some of the most common misconceptions that she hears from JMOs about recruiting firms, about transitioning. Um, and then we get into an interesting part of the conversation where she talks about, I asked her what, um, what are some of the things that set a JMO apart? What makes JMOs better or more unique than other JMOs? And I think she brings a lot of value into that. And then she kind of takes that to the next level where we start talking about being a young business professional. What does it take? What are some of the characteristics that it takes to be a young and very successful business professional? And she ought to know because she really meets that criteria perfectly. So I really love her perspective. I think she brings a lot of value to the podcast and to this conversation. Um, So I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed conducting and interviewing uh, interviewing Hope. If you wanna know more about Cameron Brooks, just go to our website, cameron-brooks.com. Got loads of media and content that you can use to learn more about who we are and how we help military officers transition. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Hope. All right, Hope. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes out of your busy day to uh, share with us a little, little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you're up to, especially as it relates to junior military officers. So I really appreciate you being here. Well, thanks so much, Pete, for having me. I'm excited to be on this show chatting All with right. you. I know because you listen to the show, right? I mean, you're generally listening to the show on a fairly regular basis. Yes. Yes, I do. I um I do a lot of marketing for Cameron Brooks. And so part of that yep. is, you know, mm-hmm. hopping on the podcast, making sure that I'm relevant uh, and up to date with what's being shared. Um, so, yes, I'm an avid listener. Well, I just thought it would be a good idea to interview you. One, it's, it's nice to, to hear other voices and kind of get other perspectives. But to your point, you do so much at Cameron Brooks, you wear multiple hats. And so I think that your experience and your perspective really um, will bring value to military officers who are, who are either in our program or considering our program and w- w- what might things, w- what might be or how things may play out. And so 
I think your perspective will just be super helpful. So why don't we why don't we just start here? Give us the you know kind of give us the run rundown. Who is Hope Drury? Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do now? Kind of give us the whole thing. I grew up in Fredericksburg, Texas, which is where Cameron Brooks is headquartered. And uh, but you know didn't learn about the business until after I had graduated from Texas A&M and uh, was connected with Mary Lou White, who's one of the original founders of the company and got my start there. Actually just hit five years with Cameron Brooks yesterday, uh, which is very exciting. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm very proud. Um, and let's see, I now currently live in Auburn, Alabama. I have been working remotely for Cameron Brooks for over just about two and a half years now. Um, after spending right. a couple of years in the office. So, um, you know, that was a new frontier for me. And um, I've loved, you know, I'm a native Texan, uh, so I do miss the Texas states, but it's been a really fun adventure exploring the Southeast here um, and being in in Alabama. But yes, um, yeah. that's a little bit about me. I love, um, you know, wearing multiple hats at Cameron Brooks, uh, which mm -hmm. keeps things interesting. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So tell it, yeah, that's great. So tell us w what are those hats that you wear? Maybe you could describe to us um, the the things that you actually do and maybe compartmentalize. I do this over here. I do that over there. Tell us what you do. So I got started uh, at Cameron Brooks as a recruiting team leader. So really the main function of the job is just spending a lot of time on the phone with uh, officers, junior military officers, uh, asking them what their plans are for the transition and if they're considering one. So uh, love, love being on the front lines, as you say, there um, and hearing everybody's stories. But that, you know, kind of morphed into helping prepare resumes. I'm the assistant resume consultant to Danielle Granville here in-house, uh, which is really fun. Uh, we call it kind of a, like a professional word Sudoku, you know, trying to fit <laughs> accomplishments and re results around and uh, translating that um, from military jargon into more cor corporate terms, which is really fun for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just becoming more and more involved uh, in on the marketing side of things, um, just involved in writing blog posts and um, copywriting and social media content, what goes out and things like that, which is also fun. And of course, being part of the the conference team, so when we do go to conference, being really involved and um, you know with our candidates who are you know about to have all these interviews and helping them prepare and just kind of be support staff along the way. So I love yeah. wearing the multiple hats. It definitely keeps things yeah. interesting. The first topic that I'd like to cover with you is common misconceptions. You know, I I haven't spent a ton of time on on boards and forums about what people think about camera brooks i absolutely know though just based on what people have told me in the past that there are some 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 fairly significant misconceptions about jmo's recruiter jmo recruiters in general but obviously camera brooks specifically and so if you were going to name the number one thing that people have wrong basically as it relates to camera brooks what do you think that is 
Number one misconception. Well, one that surprised me that I do think comes up often for me in conversations with uh, officers is that you can't have a conversation with a recruiting firm until you've already dropped your packet or you've decided that you're going to make a transition. So I'd say that's probably number one. And that surprised me when someone brought it up one time in our conversation. He was like, I don't know if I should be having this conversation yet. I, you know, I haven't even dropped my packet, not even anywhere close mm-hmm. to that. And what do you, what do you think the driver is though? Why do you, have you been able to dig into why that's a thing? I think because, you know, maybe they've heard or there are other firms out there that say, you know, don't reach out until you're, you're good to go with all your paperwork or even six months mm-hmm. prior to your transition. So maybe that mm-hmm. is where, you know, the rumors are coming from. And right. I tried to squash that for us because it's not true for us because we like to have part of what we do is just kind of eliminating the uncertainty around the transition option. You know, everybody has questions. Okay, well, what if I do make a transition? What does that mean? What does the timing look like? And you, you're free to have that conversation with us and um, and ask questions about it. You know, I have conversations with officers who, you know, I'm like, okay, well, if you could put a percentage on it, you know, are you 50-50 towards, you know, getting out or staying in? Where are you? And they'll be really honest with me and say, you know, I, you know, I'm really not sure, but I want to ask questions so that I am prepared to make a transition, you know, and if it's not a fit and you decide that you stay in the military long term, that's great, but at least you explore the option. One of the things that, that, and I think you know this, but the average amount of time that someone spends in our program is, is between 10 and 11 months. So obviously some people are fewer, you know, less than that, and some people are more. But if you think about anyone over the 12-month mark, those people absolutely have not submitted their paper yet because it's, it's not possible from a, from a regulation mm-hmm. perspective. And so it seems like a lot of people that are in our program who have not fully committed to transitioning or dropping their resignation learn so much about corporate America, which ultimately allows them to make a good decision, not, not necessarily to get out of the military, although I would say most people end up doing that. Um, mm-hmm. but, it, but, but, but I'm sure you have seen, I know I have definitely seen people that are in our program work through the material and decide, you know, I've done my homework. I've done my research. I think I'm going to stay in the military. So there's a lot of value, as you're mm-hmm. describing, in terms of just learning more about about corporate America and making this massive switch to to business. I I would almost compare it to, and it, it's not quite the same. But I just recently spoke at freshman seminar at Auburn University, and mm-hmm. these are college freshmen, 18 year olds. But the topic was business preparedness. And thinking about it, I went through and talked to them about professional brand and how they should prepare for the future. But truly, all these college kids spend, you know, four years in college basically preparing themselves for the professional world to become young business professionals. And all that prep work, all that study that goes into being a student in preparation for this next season of life is four years worth. And that's not including, you know, 
you know, an extra fun year or <laughs> grad school. So if you take, right. you know, if you kind of take that similar example, as you transition industries, you know, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're prepared to make that switch the best that you can. One of the things I, I tend to say as I describe in our webcast who we are, what we do, and really one of the first things I say is the most common uh, mistake that I think transitioning military officers make is they assume that their military experience is sufficient preparation for making a transition to corporate America. I think military experience is great preparation for staying in the industry of the government, whether it's GS or DOD contracting, but to make the move to corporate America, at least in, from what we've seen, requires a, a more significant level of preparation. So that's great. That's, a, that's an important misconception to, to address and talk through. Um, wh- what about the number two then? What's the, what's the second thing you hear often that, that you say to yourself or explain to them, well, that's not quite right? I think one of the themes would be you know, recruiting firms are old school. You know, I can do the search by myself, which is true. There's so yes. many avenues out there for you to get connected. Um, and maybe recruiting firms are old school. And I think um, I had a conversation with someone about the travel industry the other day and how travel firms are kind of dated, but what you've seen is mm-hmm. this morph kind of into more niche boutique travel agencies. Um, and I would kind of compare that to, you know, recruiting firms today, especially for a military officer. Um, I mean, yeah, you can plan the trip yourself or you can plan the transition yourself, but you know, if you're only doing it once, you might want to make sure you're doing it well. So, you know, for the boutique, the boutique travel firms are going to have the connections. They're going to get you the extra discounts. They're going to plan every single detail, you know, from mm-hmm. your flight to the car, picking you up to where your hotel is going to be, who's going to greet you. I mean, the same would be for recruiting firms. Maybe I'm biased, but I'd probably um, find Cameron Brooks to be similar to like the luxury, you know, recruiting firm someone who's very mm-hmm. niche, very well connected mm-hmm. and kind of with you, highly relational um, and connected mm-hmm. through every step of the way. So if you're wanting to do it once and do it right, obviously there's value in partnering with someone who is kind of an expert in their field. CJ Joseph came to our conference. I know you know CJ came to our conference two conferences ago and he did a testimonial that I put on YouTube last week or a week ago, two weeks ago. But basically, he, he made a similar analogy in a different way. He, and he's over, he was over in Hawaii, so he kind of came with this analogy. He said, you know, I don't really scuba dive, but I, I know that if I wanted to scuba dive, I could go rent a tank and re, rent a mouthpiece and rent goggles and rent a charter and <laughs> go out to some place that I think would be a good scuba diving place. But but I don't have time to figure out how to even do that, right? His, mm-hmm. his analogy was very similar to yours. And it was like, I, I, I lead a busy life. I've got a full-time job. I've got a family. I'm managing the things that I'm managing. If I want to go scuba diving, 
I want to find the, the, the best company that's going to train me, equip me, and take me to the best spots. And it's exactly yeah. what you're saying <laughs> in that, that you're right. You know, I think people can LinkedIn and, and, and they, can, they can use their alumni network but to, to go scuba diving or to go on a trip or, in this case, to make a transition. But, but I love your comment. If you're, if you you're, you're going to only do it once, there's no reason why you shouldn't do it well or do it as best as you possibly can. And what does best even mean? Gives you as many mm-hmm. options as you possibly can in order, to, in order to evaluate multiple courses of action and choose the best one. I mean, it's what JMOs are so good at anyway. It's so funny. Like, JMOs know how to problem solve, critically think, and ultimately choose great courses of action. But I see it over and over again. Military officers choose not to use a recruiting firm. They go with one thing in in a specific location, and and that's it. And uh, mm-hmm. and it's interesting how that plays out. Let me ask you another question, different than what we're talking about right now. You you get to see a lot of military officers and talk to a lot of military officers who are considering a transition, considering a recruiting firm. What characteristics do you think? set some military officers apart from others in terms of kind of exploring this transition and making the move to corporate America? Who who are the successful ones in your eyes? I feel like it's almost twofold. So when they come to me and are asking questions and we're just having this initial dialogue, I'd say, you know, they're prepared. They're enthusiastic about learning and they're genuine and authentic. Um, so, you know, prepared is for my conversation with officer is, you know, we've looked on the website, they've done a little bit of research, they've had a couple of conversations with, you know, with friends and family about, you know, business as an option, and they come to me with additional questions, um, and they already have like a good understanding of, you know, maybe who we are as a recruiting firm, uh, which is great. But then, you know, they're also enthusiastic. Uh, and I have, um, I've had conversations with officers that say, you know, I just, I'm really curious right now and I want to be a sponge. So I know you have multiple conversations like these and I just want to get everything that I can out of our conversation today so that I have more things to think about, consider, and do re- continued research, uh, which is which is great for me. Uh, and I want to share, the, you know, I want to share all the extra resources and podcasts that you can go and listen to, um, just to help you along the transition discovery journey. Uh, but then, you know, authenticity is a big thing for me too. Uh, you know, and I kind of love it when I get on the phone with officers and they're like, you know. Hope. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> Makes me laugh. And I say, oh, you know, we probably all have a little bit of that feeling in ourselves. We just don't mm-hmm. know what we want to be when we grow up. And you can say that. You're free to say that. Uh, that's really authentic to me. And it also means you're open to learning more about what's available to you. And then just like building that rapport with us. So definitely preparedness, enthusiasm, and just being authentic. But I also think that translates, you know, one step further in the interview when candidates are at our conferences. Mm-hmm. As part of my conference role, I take a lot of feedback from companies, or at least I transcribe mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. those would probably be the top three things that you themes that you see mm-hmm. in feedback from companies. 
you know, they say, oh, this candidate knew exactly what they were talking about. They knew all about our company. They came with a really specifically tailored questions uh, to this interview. They were excited and expressed interest. And then they were just really authentic, easy to build rapport with, and just kind of you felt like you knew them, you know, after the conversation. So I think that translates in multiple iterations of your life. Let me let me ask you to describe a conversation, or maybe it's an amalgamation of multiple. But I because I want to I want to try to get to the opposite of what you're describing. Can you describe a conversation or kind of how how several conversations have gone into one where it's the opposite of what you're describing? And it's not a super positive and super productive conversation initially. Oh, man. I feel like I've had my share of awkward conversations, as you probably have as well. But when I get on the phone and I start asking questions, and the officer is relatively unfamiliar with the recruiting firm or mixes up the recruiting firm names things like that. So they're so they're kind of unprepared for the conversation. And also, you know, when I ask, you know, what would you like to get out of this conversation and they're not quite sure. So at the you know, at the very least, I think it should be just to gather more information about potential options. But also, you know, too I have a couple of conversations, you know, I get I get on the phone and which is understandable because when I get random calls from numbers I'm not very familiar with from a person mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. my first instinct is really to kind of shut down and not be overly open with my information. But I would encourage officers, you know, if we do hop on the phone, you can be really honest and say, this isn't a priority for you right now. You can say that. Um, or if your timing is a little bit farther out, you're more than welcome to say that. You know, and be nice about it. I'm a human, you know. <laughs> I want to I want to make friends with the next person, and I'm not right. trying to steal time from your day. Uh, but, right. but, you can, you know, I appreciate that on my interactions on LinkedIn, and I definitely appreciate it on the phone. You know, you can say, I hope, I, you know, I'm curious about this, but I have five years left in the military, so can we mm-hmm. circle back with each other in a year? In which I respond to, absolutely, I will set a date on my calendar. Have a great rest of your day. (laughs) And that is okay. You know, just being kind. You know, it kind of comes back to this idea uh, about misconceptions about who recruiting firms are. This idea that, that recruiting firms are these sharky, salesy type of people that are just trying to convince people to get out of the military, turn a buck, and it, it just isn't that way. And, and I can't speak to every recruiting firm. I really, I'm only talking about Cameron Brooks. I've never studied any other recruiting firm. But this idea that we, Cameron Brooks, are, are kind of this, you know, slick, type of organization that's only trying only in it for one thing is is a misconception i think that we all you me we all fight every day what are your thoughts on that though absolutely that is 100 percent a misconception and i guess the best way to combat that misconception is just to you know reiterate that the initial conversation with me you know if you're having one with me is just really to let you know about your options and just introduce this 
concept, this thought process of starting to learn more and um, not trying to sell you anything. If it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. And I think we would all agree that our military needs good leaders to stay in the military, to keep on keeping on. But for those who, you know, maybe have a tug in the back of their head or they've thought to themselves, this is my fourth deployment, (laughs) I'm tired or I missed the birth of my firstborn and I don't want to do that anymore, but I don't Mm -hmm. know what my options are and staying in is safe and, and we keep on keeping on. But I'm, I'm there to say, well, you know, have you thought about this? You know, maybe can I direct you towards a webcast or tell you a little bit more about life on the other side? You know, if you were right. to make this transition to business, just as a conversation, almost like an informational interview. I think one of the things that people think about Cameron Brooks is where this company that doesn't care about JMOs and just trying to make a buck. And so the thing that I say to people lately has been, you're right, we are a business. We are a for-profit, privately held business. That means we're not a government agency who relies on on appropriations from Congress. We don't get money from the government. We are not a nonprofit who relies on contributions and grants and donations. We're, we're a business. And, and one of the points that you made in your notes that I'd like you to expand on is in corporate America, you can do good. You can have a higher purpose. You can serve people. You can bring value and still have an ethical way to live your life in this construct that we call capitalism. It's not a bad word. Tell me more about what you, where you were going in some of your notes there. And honestly, that point came up in a conversation that actually we had, you and I both, Pete, when we were at Fort Benning, and we had sat down with an officer for the third time. This was the third conversation with him. And I think he was just really struggling with the idea of switching from a life of service as a military mm-hmm. officer to capitalism, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the word has a little bit of a negative connotation sometimes. But I think I wrote in my notes, like 107 million Americans work in the private sector. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of us that's, out that's there. A, that's a third of, of all Americans, right? 330 million Americans. So that's a third of us. Yes. Sorry, right. Didn't mean to cut so, you. yeah, no, thank you for throwing that in there. Right. A third of America works in the private sector and there's a lot of good people out there in good organizations that want to continue serving within their community. Either their product or Mm -hmm. service serves in some way. I would say, Mm -hmm. you know, we serve and that's one of our core values. We serve the military officer, uh, which I think is Mm -hmm. a noble uh, calling, Mm -hmm. you know, to serve those who have served us in our country. Or, mm-hmm. you know, a company, a lot of our client companies manufacture and distribute and sell medical devices that save lives or help you sure. live better or trying to, you know, fight for a vaccine for different diseases to make people's lives better. But then on top of that, I think you threw out the example you were sent to be a part of a rescue, not a rescue, but a volunteer mission down when Hurricane Katrina hit as part mm-hmm. of 
your company in serving in that mm-hmm. way. And that. Yeah, I was working at Johnson and Johnson at the time, and we went down after Katrina. A whole team of us, Jan- Johnson and Johnson, completely sponsored and paid for the whole thing. But a whole team of us went down there and and worked in. I think it was the third ward. I may be off on that one, but just kind of worked on cleaning stuff up and just put on gloves and jeans and boots and got after it for a week. And so. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that. I also think, you know, when I was working at J&J, I was, um, I was on uh, a board for the Cornerstone Assistance Network, which is a Christian-based um, nonprofit in Dallas, Texas, or a suburb of Dallas that, that essentially helps people get on their feet when they're down and out and struggling in life. And so I just think there's a lot of ways to serve and be valuable yeah. and find meaning in service. And it can be through your vocation, but it can be a lot of other ways as well. I agree. And maybe those who are in corporate America might have a little bit of extra time. You know, the op tempo isn't as crazy as a military officer mm-hmm. and we're not getting deployed. So we have this extra time to volunteer in our communities and with our families. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. having that extra option as well um, can fill out you know, fulfill that calling to serve. I want to ask you, there's two more things I want to talk. I definitely want to talk about remote employment, considering you've been at Cameron for five years, half of which has been remote. And we're seeing a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of that current in our, in our, in our current moment with COVID-19, obviously. But my suspicion is on the backside of COVID-19, we will see an increase of remote work as well. And I don't, I don't know, I don't think necessarily that you know, we'll see a lot of that at Cameron Brooks. I still think a lot of the roles that we recruit for are are hands-on and kind of in-person, but I think that things will move in that direction. So anyway, I, I want to cover that. Before we do, though, you graduated college. You came to work at Cameron Brooks, and you were immediately surrounded. It was a friendly environment. You knew a, a fair amount of people that were here because you grew up here, and, and so you just mm-hmm. knew people. You mentioned Mary Lou. You, you probably knew some other people as well. But but you also, fresh fresh from college five years ago, were put into a what I would think is a very it's small but a very professional environment with some, you know, quote, credentialed people who have done things professionally and asked to really step up and, and be a, a member of this team and, and really contribute at a relatively young age compared to a lot of other people that work here. And just from the outside looking in, hope you're you're a phenomenal team member, someone who re- brings a ton of value to our organization. How did you do that? And what advice could you give to JMOs, even though they may be five to eight years older than you when they're making their move to business? What can people do to really make a mark in this transition from the military to corporate America, this brand new industry, as we've talked about? Well, one, thank you for all those Lovely compliments. I appreciate that. And it's been fun working with such an awesome team. Um, And that definitely plays a part in growth as a young professional. But I think making the transition from being a college student straight into the young professional life, the number one thing that I had to adjust to first is just eating a big old slice of humble pie. You know, I think once you get through a one season of life, you kind of start at the bottom of the totem pole and work your way up. Um, I mean, the same is when you step from being like a senior in college into, you know, your first year as a young business professional. So just 
being really humble as you enter that role. And the same could be, you know, for an officer stepping from government, you know, being in the military into a, you know, professional world, even though you'll, you're probably going to have that leadership component to your position, you are going to mm-hmm. be the least tenured member on the team. So recognizing and respecting um, the people in, around you and the knowledge that they bring to the table and just wanting to really soak up, um, you know, the company's culture and values and operations and things like that. So that was number one for me, just really uh, putting my head down, working really hard. And then two, asking for extra responsibility. Can For me, it was, uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm good at copywriting and proofing. Can I help with resumes? I think that would be mm-hmm. fun and a value add. So asking to do that, how I got involved in resume writing. I also specifically asked to be involved in marketing because that's something that I take a personal interest in. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, really neat. So got on the marketing internal marketing committee that way and just wanting to kind of go above and beyond and not afraid to stay after hours and mm-hmm. put in a little bit extra uh, work, um, just being really enthusiastic about all of that as well. So I think mm-hmm. being humble, working hard, asking for extra responsibilities are were the three key things for me. And then just having such a positive attitude, I think carries you mm-hmm. a long way, especially with a new team, you know, coming in, totally. wanting to learn from, you know, the new team members, like I said, being happy to volunteer to work a little bit later on this specific project or enthusiastic about coming up with new strategies and I ideas to better the organization, which I think all can parallel for an officer stepping into a new role. There's one more on your list. I do want you to say that one, and then I'm going to summarize, which the last thing you had on there, on this list. The very last thing? <laughs> yeah, in all Be caps. nice. Be nice. Be nice. <laughs> Be nice. I wish more people would write that on a sticky note and put it on their bathroom mirror and see that every morning. And sometimes it's hard to wake up, you know, and you've got a lot of personal Uh things going on, professional things Uh going on. You are a multifaceted human uh, with different um, hands and mini pies. You've got a lot going on, right? But just to be reminded, you know, about be kind, how you interact with someone else is going to make an impact on their day. I actually just recently read an HBR article, Harvard business professor gave, taught a class to freshmen. And one of his quotes was, I think management is one of the most noble of professions. So me, I immediately raised my eyebrow thinking like, oh, wouldn't you think like, I don't know, life in, in the military service would be, a, you know, be most noble of professions or, you know, like right. maybe being a nun or something. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> really good. Uh, but then he goes on to explain as a management professional, as someone who is leading a team and has direct impact on the people around you you can determine your interactions with them can determine how they view themselves in the role. You know, like 
if a manager gets on to somebody, you know, then that person has a bad day at work, takes it home with them, that have that interaction, you know, with their day rubs off on their family and disrupts like family life and, you know, mental health versus a manager who's very encouraging and uplifting and constructive can build up their team. Whereas, you know, they send their people home, they're in a good mood, they felt like they contributed, that they're valuable parts of the organization. And then that in turn translates to family life and their personal life and their mental health, which is such a big thing. And I would agree with that impacting is a domino effect. So I want to summarize, and and I, and for those listening, I mean, just think about Hope, who she is, graduated college, been out of college for five years now. You, you're in the exact same demographic as most military officers transitioning at the five to eight year mark. I mean, I, I know there are exceptions to that, but generally at the five year, eight year mark, we see the preponderance of military officers transitioning. And your advice, which I think is just spectacular, be humble, work hard, ask for extra responsibility, find thing, extra things to do and bring value to your organization, stay positive and be nice. Man, if you take nothing away from this podcast, then those things, that is, that's all you need. I mean, th- those are some serious <laughs> keys to life. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I really, really align myself and appreciate, align myself with what you said and appreciate what you said. All right, we are, we are up against the clock, but I just want to ask you one more thing. I, I, I previewed it a moment ago, but this idea of remote work, how's it going for you? You know, you're not the only person at Cameron Brooks that has worked remotely, but you're the only person in recent history who has worked remotely. So give us some, uh, give us some quick tips on how to be good when you're uh, when you're away from as in the military as we say away from the flagpole yes well it was an adjustment at first uh going from being around a lot of coworkers who you love and have relationships with to being kind of the solitary um worker and so what worked for me was spending a lot of time planning and stru- structuring my day writing a to-do list. Mm-hmm. So I have a planner where I loosely outline what I need to get done that week. And then I have an even more structured schedule that goes kind of hour by hour, which I loosely follow, but end goal is here's my to-do list. I need to check off these items before I hit the end of the week. But also at the same time, I think your productivity as a remote worker is concentrated because you don't have those coffee room interactions quite as much and you're not constantly mm-hmm. being pulled mm-hmm. into side projects that happen in the office. So it can be concentrated, in which case I think it's okay to step back and take a little bit of a mental breather, you know, after you've been kind of crunching away for a while. Going for walks are really important, I think, for mental health, just getting away from your desk and separating mm-hmm. yourself um, from work and creating a separate space. You know, like this is my workspace. I have a room Mm -hmm. in my house that is like specifically my office and then turn off and shut down for the day. Having, you know, the rest of the home as my resting place, an opportunity to kind of like rejuvenate. Um, Yes, I think structure is so important. Um, To-do lists are very important. And then having those boundaries between professional and personal work life. 
um, and allowing you to just step back and take a break, take a little little walk. I really like that. I, I, I had a number of years where I had the opportunity to work from home in a field-based job, and um, and I had one, like you said, I, I, I hadn't thought about this in a long time, but as you said it, it really kind of brought me right back. I had, and I actually had three different jobs in one company where I had a room in my house with doors on, you know, with a door on the room or doors depending on the room. And everything that happened in that room was work-related. And then as soon as I was done, I walked out of the room, closed the doors and tried hard. Didn't always work this way, but tried hard not to go back in that room until the mm-hmm. next day. So I really like yeah. the way you're, because especially if you're not used to it or COVID hit and so you're trying to make things work for you, you know, it would, it's easy to imagine throwing all your stuff on the kitchen table and just getting after it. But man, if mm-hmm. it's right there in the middle, it's always just right there. And so I, I think that's a great right. tip. Hope, um, I, I think I could chat with you for another hour or two. You've got a lot of, it's so, it's so good. It's refreshing to hear kind of some of your thoughts and ideas. I, I know this is going to be helpful for those listening. So I really appreciate time, energy, and effort that you put forth to create a, a conversation for us and certainly your ideas and perspectives. For those who are listening, who want to talk to Hope, well, if, you, if you're in our program or not and just want to pick her brain and get more perspective, I'll link some contact information. You can reach out to her directly uh, or certainly call find me. her on LinkedIn. And yeah, give her a yeah, call me. So Hope, call me. it's been a pleasure. <laughs> really, really great to chat with you again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Pete, for having me on. It was a pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to my conversation with Hope. Hope you enjoyed it and hope that uh, she said some things that resonated with you and that you could use in uh, your daily life and at work. I'm excited because we recently did a survey on uh, what officers in our program thought about our partnership agreement, what their questions around the agreement were, and got a lot of excellent feedback from a ton of officers. And so what we're doing is we're compiling those and we're going to, over the course of the next few weeks and months, be doing podcasts specifically related to some of the questions and comments that we received from the partnership agreement survey. Look forward to bringing those to you. So the very next episode, the one that we release uh, here in two weeks, That'll be our first conversation about our partnership agreement and addressing some of the questions that we received from the survey. So stay tuned for that. Look forward to bringing that to you real soon. You guys have a great day.